1: Learn more at slash papertarian. The numbers told the story, they always do. This is a numbers game
3: with Gil Alexander on VSEN. He's those idiots who believe in analytics.
4: Good Monday morning tune is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. VSEN.com, the Visa app, FUBO, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. All proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeffrey, you good? How you doing, man? Good morning, Gil. Good morning, sir. Interesting little show today, including uh, a fantasy football preview from Todd Wright for those who are doing their season-long fantasy drafts. He's got some uh, players to draft, players to stay away from. He'll answer our fantasy questions as well. Paul Spohr will join us, talk baseball a little later on. Pete Futak with, should I say it? Should I say week zero? Week zero picks in college football coming up as well. Some Heisman thoughts. And Joe Pita will join us. For those familiar with Joe Peta. Um, or unfamiliar. Joe is one who, for many, many years, and perhaps most famously at ESPN Chalk, did baseball previews and he did them uniquely, essentially trying to isolate what was repeatable, what was not repeatable, what was sustainable, what was unsustainable in baseball from year to year, quantifying the sport in a very unique way. And then he sort of drifted towards golf, didn't sort of, he did wrote the 2019 master's tour guide, which is sort of a master's Bible using uh, non-public domain data. Well, now he has made a little shift to football. And so he will talk to us about his Las Vegas Raiders season win totals piece and how he feels about the Raiders applying some of those same things that are used in baseball to football. Now, pretty fascinating uh, take on the Raiders coming up. We look forward to that. Um, from this weekend, why did my voice just do that? From this weekend, what was, uh, was noteworthy in the NFL? I, w- I would just sort of say, and again, as one who cautions against reading anything into the uh, three-week preseason arc that is the National Football League, at least these days it's three weeks, particularly now that it's only three weeks and not four, because boy, do teams treat preseason differently now than they have historically. We talked about this you know, ad nauseum before. How teams used to treat it so that in a four-week arc, the third week was always, okay, these are when the starters play, and then fourth week nobody plays. Of note, that's going to start week one. Now, they just kind of don't care. Most teams just, Jacoby Brissett's not playing. Just to give an example of, hey, he's starting. We're not even we're not even putting him on the field. So the one thing I do want to, well, there's a few things. One, Kayvon Thibodeau getting jackknifed by a Bengals offensive lineman. All appears to be okay. That was brutal. Could have been a disaster for Thibodeau and the Giants there. Thankfully, it appears he's okay. But the other thing is the Bills. Jeff was hanging out with the original slow jammer, Kevin Slowjam and James. You're familiar with him, aren't you? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, nothing. Uh, and he, we were watching football on TV. And the Bills were just destroying the Denver Broncos. Now, with the exception of like an old Steve Spurrier-led game with Washington back in the day when Washington would go to Osaka, Japan and have an exhibition game against the Niners, and Spurrier would just unload his pitch-and-catch playbook and Danny Werfel would just go off on the Niners for 40-plus points. Yes, that happened and Spurrier thought he was just he just didn't understand what you're supposed to do in preseason but he just did everything he was going to do in the regular season we see, we see how that turned out but with the exception of that kind of historical anomaly usually you don't see massive dominant blowouts like in the pro season in the preseason but buffalo just destroying the Denver Broncos 42 to 15 in a game where Josh Allen went 3 for 3 and a touchdown that's all we need to see from Josh Allen to the Bills Case Keenum went 16 of 18 for 192 in a touchdown, no picks. Matt Barkley, 7 of 8 for 65. And then how about the rushing? Raheem Blackshear, 5 for 58. Duke Johnson, 9 for 55 and two scores. Devin Singletary, 4 for 39. James Cook, 4 for 38. All those averages are ridiculous, by the way. Zach Moss scored twice. Offensive line couldn't have looked better. Do we look at that and sort of say to ourselves, oh, maybe they're even better than we thought they were. Or is it just a preseason game against the Broncos team that just kind of might suck? What'd you learn more about? you think the bills of the, the bills of the Broncos? I learned nothing about no one. Don't, don't buy any. I don't it. care. Don't care. The
3: only, the only thing that I care about in preseason is if these new coaches seem to have a clue and look, uh, I'm not going to take getting waxed in Buffalo I'm not going to take that for anything with Hackett. So I really I learned nothing from that other than. <laughs> I was going to say, fa- you're about than... to
4: contradict yourself. Yeah, that's no, right. no, I didn't. I, mean, yeah. I I, whatever. I mean, Josh Allen looked good in his series. I, woohoo. It's let's pre-season let's put it this way. It, 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 for a guy who doesn't care at all about preseason, it caused me to look to my right and say, oh, that's an interesting score as we watch that unfold. The other thing was this rumor. Can we do a little sports talk radio? Not a rumor. This was This apparently is all true. The Dana White. Deal. Dana White coming up in the Gronk broadcast of the UFC uh, card the other night. And Gronk sort of prodded him. And he tells the story about two years ago, before Tom Brady ended up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dana White tells the story about how he had a huge hand in almost engineering Tom Brady and then later what would have been Gronk to the Las Vegas Raiders instead. We all know, of course, Brady and Gronk end up with the Bucks, and they win a Super Bowl. But Dana White, who apparently is boys with Tom Brady, and Gronk completely corroborates this story. So we have no reason to believe Dana White is just flapping his gums. This appears to be completely true. Almost had it. It was a done deal. Brady was looking for houses, and then John Gruden nixed it. And my only only comment about this, because people are focused on, oh, well, now we know who uh, Tom Brady was referring to when he... uh, when he was throwing around curse words about a quarterback. Now it appears that person was Derek Carr. I can't believe they went with that guy. I'll say guy over over me. Like they went with that mm-hmm, over me. I believe is the correct uh, exact translation. The only part about this story, Jeff, that like I don't hear people making is because people are so focused on the Tom Brady reaction and that John Gruden reaction thought that Derek Carr, the implication is that, no, we're better off with Derek Carr. No, can we just like, can we just acknowledge the human condition of this? The human, the, 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 this is what that was. And I don't hear anybody making this point. It was simply John Gruden. We're left to believe, I think, that John Gruden simply made an assessment in his head. He knows Tom Brady's better. He would be better off with Tom Brady. But in his head, he realized, wait a minute, if Tom Brady comes here and does everything that Tom Brady does, I will receive no credit for anything. It's a Jeff, it's a hundred percent what it was. Jeff is laughing behind. I don't know if you hear. Oh, I, mean, I mean, it's hundred percent what it was. I don't, I don't think you're off base. I don't, no one's making that point. So I don't I can, think you're off base. Um, this is the, the power of the human ego, right? Like, he just didn't want that life for himself. I don't want to win if I can't get credit for it. By the way, this is this is very true of, of many walks of life. People would rather, I won't say suck, people would rather lose their way than win and it not be about them. And so imagine, Las Vegas Raiders fans, that's what you got from John Gruden. I think that needs to be said. Anyway, that's was the takeaway from that. Other than that, how do you feel about UFC? you betting UFC these days? No, I'm not, but
3: I don't know how you could miss...
4: What happened on Saturday night? I had a long, not a long, but a, but a text exchange with uh, Sweet Lou, gamble Lou Finicaro, this weekend. Because there's like a dude or two on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen this yet. And I was like, Lou, I don't want to be the guy who says this first. I also, I, I kind of want to be the guy, but I don't want to be the guy. But there's a couple guys on Twitter who like are nailing UFC fights betting-wise based on nothing but business-driven narratives. Right? The old thing that sort of knocks boxing, the reason I won't bet on boxing anymore is because I've seen too many fights where it's like, I know my guy won and then he lost, right? The judges. And you and you you are left to think to yourself, you're left to hate yourself, by the way, for continually doing it. But but do you think I mean, so Luke Lou outright rejects this because he said there's too much legacy on the line for Usman this weekend, with the just shock ending to that fight where Kamar Usman loses. Just on a just was the last minute of the bout, and he gets just destroyed. By the way, technical UFC talk destroyed. But I, it, it, have we gotten to the point with this sport that what that we're starting to think about that kind of thing? It's not rhetorical, Joe.
3: I'm not, sir. Again, I'm not, I'm not ingrained in UFC by any, I'm not either.
4: That's why I asked. So
3: I, yeah, I'm not. I think that's especially a sport where you're just talking about egos with Gruden. Oh, yeah. I think even though the storylines make a lot of sense, there's too much ego going on to allow anything nefarious to be going on.
4: Or it's the opposite. I don't know. I just think it's a it's a let's put it this way. It just sort of starts to creep. If you if you follow enough people, you're like, wait a minute here. This is like the – because this was the one where you're like, okay, he's gotten five of these in a row. I'm talking about like random dude on Twitter with narrative uh, – with just narrative betting strategies. And I'm not just like, oh, well, if this guy loses, you get the rematch. That kind of boxing narrative thing. There's other ones too, which I won't get into. But you wonder – and like this one, I was like, okay, well, he's finally going to get one wrong. And then, bam, it happens. I don't know. Could be very just could be very coincidental, but I think it's uh I think it's worth bringing up just for that. What are your football bets for the year, Jeff? What do you have here?
3: What well, what do I have so far? NFL. Well, other than those uh waste of money free bet MVP bet uh that I have on Tua, which is a waste of money, waste of a free bet. Uh all I have right now in pocket is I uh, It'll be fun because Joe Pita is going to probably contradict me when I uh, when we tell you in the next segment. I'm over on the Raiders at eight and a half, and I'm under on your commanders
4: at eight and a half. That's all I have. <laughs> uh, I don't hate the under on the. Uh, on the Virginia, commanders. Virginia That's Virginia mostly holders. seven and a half now. Which yeah.
3: I'd still probably go under seven and a half.
4: Boy, I hope, uh, I hope we're all wrong about Carson Wentz. I really do. I just don't get the sense we are. Speaking of the Raiders, though, we will have Joe Pita here. He's going to come on right after the break. His very analytically, uh, analytically driven take on the Las Vegas Raiders season win total was everything we saw last year what it appeared to be. That's the first part of the puzzle. And then what, based on that, are we expecting to see that is repeatable? Does the addition of Devontae Adams make a huge impact? As huge as you might think, does it make very little impact? Those questions answered next. Numbers Game, VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports
4: betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM Casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love MGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit MGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, <clears throat> call 1-800-522-4700. Skill Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, you never know what you're going to say that's going to uh, sort of provoke reaction. And about the... Uh about the uh, UFC stuff I was just mentioning, I will not give their names out, but these are two guys who are on this show frequently, just randomly texting me after that segment. One of them, thank you for acknowledging this. I don't watch it all, but it's fascinating to see it play out the way it has. Talking about me mentioning that there's a guy or two on Twitter who seem to get every fight right that they talk about based on nothing but narrative. He said, Thank you for acknowledging this. I didn't watch it all, but it's fascinating to see it play out the way it has. He's either the luckiest better in the world or he has it figured out entirely. From the other gentleman who is on this show all the time, and I don't think he minds that I mention him, but this is Las Vegas, Chris. He said, Certainly something up with UFC on a regular basis. Narratives have been happening very coincidentally. Judging only gets worse. Most of it seems okay, but one to two fights each card cause a double take to what happened there. Yeah take it for what you will. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a thrill to have this gentleman on the show. Again, as I mentioned in the first segment, plied his trade doing wonderful write-ups before Major League Baseball season, season win totals pieces that were second to none. Then he shifted over towards golf, the 2019 tour guide about the Masters, and now using some of those principles that he uh, used in both sports to predict season win totals in the NFL. It's Joe Pita, everybody. How you doing, Joe?
6: Hey good morning Gil it's a pleasure to be on this show as I've told you before uh, to me this is appointment viewing for the next 22 weeks or so your your shows on Monday morning Tuesday Friday they're incomparable and invaluable for football fans and I'm happy to be maybe a tiny piece of uh that to sort of kick things off this year.
4: Well, you are very kind. It is only as as good as the guests who are uh, generous enough to provide their time and insight and and you being one of those. Uh you're being modest about it. I described your the sort of the, the core principles of your baseball season win totals as isolating through numbers what what is sustainable, what is not sustainable, but really more what, is what we saw on the surface really a reflection of a true skill set is that good or what would you add to that
6: yeah it was always logic based right you know and the bets would fall out of it of course but that was the fun of writing those was to try to use some sort of logic based lens uh, that maybe was uncovering something that wasn't apparent wasn't in the narrative and I tried for years to do it in football and had a breakthrough framework and it's, you know, there aren't 32 uh, pieces that are ready to go up on some site or something, but you know, that'll be, I think next year. Um, but uh, I did have a Raiders piece and I wrote that one up. I thought you would like it be- not so much because it's a hot take, um, but because it, it it certainly harkened back to the baseball pieces and the logic, and I even in the raid, you know, as as you read the piece last night, um, it certainly went back to to some of the baseball stuff we used to talk about. <laughs> yes,
4: it did. All right, so let's get to it. Raiders last year, ten and seven, second place in the AFC West, got to the postseason. They scored three hundred seventy four points, they allowed four hundred thirty nine, and the very first thing you did, which is very reminiscent, is you went Pythag on us. You did a little Bill James Pythagorean theorem. Explain that.
6: Sure, and that's not uh, unique. Uh, obviously, you know, football outsiders have, have have been putting that in their capsules for 20 years in their write-ups. Uh, but that's just saying. Look, you can tell the Raiders there were outscored uh, significantly at 60 some points right there. Uh, the average NFL team scored 391 and allowed 391, so the Raiders were deficient on both sides of both units there. And you know, if you, so, it, it what that the starting point is is if they performed exactly like they did last year, you wouldn't expect them. To to win 10 games you'd expect them to win seven maybe even six
4: and your further deep dive into this said that probably shouldn't have been that what do you explain that from the top
6: yeah so then sort of the next step is okay Look, and, and you know, those wins counted and they looked good at the end of the year. And I was certainly a Raiders. I mean, look, you know, they provided you and I with so much enjoyment with that Thanksgiving day win. Sure you know, did. it blew open the circus survivor, survivor pool and, and which my whole strategy was based about. I am not a Raider hater, but what I did look is say, okay, that's the base unit for this team. What has changed this year? And obviously the biggest change and the one that's driving the narrative is the addition of Devontae Adams. So using that old baseball logic we used to talk about with sort of marginal change, it, we know that Devontae Adams is a better pickup than if they had kept Zay Jones or, or Brian uh, Edwards or a- anybody, you know, that was available. So Devontae Adams is a big pickup, but is he going to give them more production than the quartet of uh, wide receiver ones that were in the receiver room last year? And that suddenly through that lens is very interesting. I don't see how he's going to improve. I think people forget really due to the tragedy, how effective Henry Ruggs was for a few weeks. And then Deshaun Jackson, despite the injuries that kept him off the field, you put all four of those guys together and Devonte Adams will do very well just to match the production of those guys. And suddenly we're back to a six or seven win team. Um, if you're not getting more production and, I understand why that feels so crazy, because of course it was a good pickup, but is it an improvement over last year's production? And I think if you look at those numbers there from those four guys, it, I mean, and, and we're using advanced stats too. It's not just you know, it's not just catches, but you add up the uh, uh, the yards over replacement and the DVOA uh, weighted average from from uh, football outsiders, and it's nearly a mirror match of what Devonte Adams put up last year. Um, so. That's that's sort of the starting point. And and uh, so I went from there. And obviously that that sort of leads to why I'm pessimistic on on the Raiders actually being an over 500 team this year. I don't see how they're going to close that gap on being outscored uh, last year. And that puts them below eight and a half wins. And, you know, I actually project it somewhere between six and seven.
4: It's sort of like, I mean, I guess uh, I used to say it after the 2017 season when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins. I used to say, well, people are are super excited that Kirk Cousins is replacing Case Keenum. But what he's replacing is Case Keenum's 2017 production. And Case Keenum... exactly, Yeah, well, a 67% completion rate, 3,500-plus yards, 22 touchdowns, seven picks. He was great. So maybe over a three-year arc, he can can be better than Case Keenum will be three years moving forward. But on that one season... It doesn't translate necessarily to the next season.
6: That that's right. It, you had a better chance of Kirk Cousins repeating Case Keenum's production from the year before than maybe Case Keenum did, and that gets a little bit to the Raiders too. Of hey, what about Derek Carr last year? Is not repeatable, and this one to me is fun. It's like when we used to come up with out, uh, outfield assists being uh, uh, non-repeatable, those <laughs> yes. high leverage uh, things in baseball. Well, the Raiders last year, Derek Carr was by far the highest beneficiary of pass interference uh, um, production last year to the point that it actually accounted for one win um, in terms of, you know, wins above replacement. Wow. Because it, it accounted for 39 points, which is actually worth a win over the course of the season. And so here's a good comparison. How many running backs provided their team with a full win above replacement at the running back position? And the answer is one, Jonathan Taylor. That <laughs> Derek Carr got more from pass interference penalties than any other team got from their rushing attack. That does not correlate well year over year. Um, so whereas, like, say, scrambles for a quarterback, scrambling EPA does, because it's the same guys, right? It's Lamar, it's it's two, or not two, uh, um, Jalen Hurts, uh, it's Josh Allen. Um, so when you kind of look at the components of Carr's production last year, I'm not very bullish on some of the outlying stuff that that really provided value last year. So, again, wow. put it all together. Yeah, that's where I am.
4: That P.I. thing will resonate more with listeners than I think the the uh, Devante versus four receivers thing. I think that's that's a very sort of graspable quickly. And the other thing you point out, and we won't belabor it because we got to go. But 21 points from the Raiders last year was all in O.T. That's a yeah, that's a they, huge outlier, right?
6: It's unreal. It's an NFL record that may never be broken, right? I mean, that is an incredible. So you look at that. We we put up at the beginning of the piece there. I think they scored 378 points below the league average. Twenty-one of those points were in overtime. So actually, in regulation, Gill, they were far below league average in terms mm. of uh, of a generating points. So. There, look, and, and there's a lot of ground to make up for for the Raiders to get over 500. Uh, I'm certainly not a hater. Like I say, if you think back to that Thanksgiving game, Gil, think of the elements that it had. You had Deshaun Jackson, extremely productive. You had a key pass interference penalty. Oh, yes. And you had overtime points.
4: Yeah.
6: <laughs> that The joy that the Raiders brought me were kind of all wrapped up in that one game last year, all those elements.
4: Well, you'll be back on Friday, maybe another season win total, but you have something to promote as well. I think i have another...
6: That's right. Yeah. We'll see you on Friday.
4: A different way to bet is being born on Friday, and Joe will be here to talk about that. We're talking about you, New Jersey and Iowa, uh, or Indiana, I should say, New Jersey and Indiana, Uh, but New Jersey for the uh, Northeast, uh, excuse me, Northwestern-Nebraska game. Joe will be here to talk about that and with another season win total. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Gil. Coming back with Pete Futak on College Football.
7: The numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network.
4: The college football guide is out now, and the NFL guide drops this Thursday. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every team, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus... Best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. We get tweets at beating the book. This is from, let's see here. Oh, this is from this is from Masters, Master of Puppets. He said, Oh my God, this is for the first time. He says, Oh my God, just laughed out loud and spit up my coffee. So true. Uh, the John Gruden comment, so entirely true. It is entirely true. Like, how is nobody making that point? Everybody's like, oh, he thought Derek Carr was better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady thinks, thinks that that mm, uh, is better than me. No, he doesn't. He just wants credit. He has an ego. He didn't want you to be there, Tom Brady, because then he wouldn't have gotten any credit. Congratulations, Raiders fans. That's what stood between you and Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Ego of John Gruden. Period. I believe that's what the kids do, Jeff. They put a T at the end. Is that what they do? They're not doing that anymore. Jeff is like, Gil, I'm not a kid. I'm fifty years old. Jeff, no, I'm not either. <laughs> Gil, I'm not. I am not your I am not your uh, conduit to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kev's job in the corner. Uh, this is from Steve Fezzik. Steve Fezzik, back-to-back uh, Super Contest winner back in the day at the Hilton. Uh, Steve, he said, Raiders total was 8.5 and, and has been uh, moving upwards. I am listening to Joe Pita on VEASAN right now uh, talking about why Raiders under 8.5 is great. And now, Steve, this is the part where I where Steve loses me when he uses the word, um. You don't have to use the word, um, Steve. You could just get into the point. Uh, why not wait? This is a great point, though, from Steve. He goes, why not wait until... Uh, nine to have this, uh, to have this segment and get some under nine (laughs) to to wait for it to have the segment. He's saying uh, everyone in Vegas will be betting the over. Now that's the point, right? Everyone in Vegas will be betting the over. Uh, The reason we have the segment now is because Joe was available today and people listen to the show and they remember things, Steve, but that is a great point. They should wait for it to get higher. So it's a wonderful point about how regional betting, right? Everybody here We'll only bet this team upwards. So you will even have a better, if, if you buy into what Joe was saying, you will even have a better opportunity later into the summer here. A couple, uh few weeks to go still for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk some college football. Pete Futak, the czar of collegefootballnews.com, hatless this morning. The hair is out. How you doing, man?
7: I'm doing, so in general... I it, it, are NFL totals slightly easier than college totals, because don't you just kind of assume that you never go under like a five win total in the NFL? Like that's hard to do. And you're just going to assume they're going to, you know, any given Sunday, their way to like six wins. And then same from top. bottom. I would guess, I, I guess in general, are NFL totals easier.
4: I would say no. I, I, I think the, okay. I think the market for alternate season win totals, right. Is better in the national football league. Where I think those are mispriced. Again, Drew Dinsik and I had this sort of conversation back then. It's like the notion that they, the notion that alternate season win totals are priced properly, is a fallacy. Um, and it happens like if you look at final NFL standings, the uh, you know the standard deviation on these like they're so far out of whack from what their pre-flop season win totals are and so there's many opportunities inherently every year to, to exploit those at good plus money prices as far as the actual season win totals themselves i would actually lean towards college i think like i think we have a better grasp of nfl teams year to year than we do often of not the bamas and the ohio states of the world but be, you know below that tier where it's like ah we thought this and this actually it was not true at all. So I think there's, I think there's so many more opportunities just by sheer You You always also. know in
7: college that the, yeah. you, every team has like that base of like, okay, they have four wins here that you just know you're starting at that. It, it's just, there's so many 50, 50 games, but I guess, you know, obviously NFL, anything can happen, you know, any given Sunday talk sort of thing. Again, uh, it just seemed to look a little easier, but uh, you're right. It depends on where you're looking.
4: Um, let's, let's start with some week zero. I hate to call it that, but I guess we'll call it that a soft opening. Yes. (laughs) It's a soft launch. I believe we call that for this internet startup. That is college football. 2022. Uh, we'll do a few games here and then we'll ask you about the Heisman. We'll do some more games. Uh, what, uh, is up on your radar? What are you betting this week?
7: All right. I forgive everyone. If this, if this turns into a 56, three Nebraska rowdy last year was 56, seven, actually. I kind of like everything Northwestern and low scoring about this Nebraska Northwestern game that everyone's going to watch because it's the one game that sort of matters this weekend. Uh, It's it's in Ireland. Look, the coach's name is Fitzgerald. It's Northwestern. They fix glitches. They just have a way of kind of grinding things down. And in week zero, we don't have anything to go off of other than last year. It's just the preseason. There's no preseason. These teams are all kind of not sharp yet. So I'm going to assume that the offenses are not ready to go. I think this is one of those games that just grinds down to a halt. I hate going under on a 44-point win total, but I kind of like the under on that because neither of these two teams could score very well last year. I love Northwestern getting a ton of points in this. I think when the last time it was up it was like 12 and a half. Uh, and I love Northwestern on the money line if you're going to you know go for it. Go for it and think that, the, that the, the line at this point for the money line, I think, is something like 330. That's pretty rich for all things Northwestern.
4: So, you like Northwestern plus the points. You take a flyer Northwestern on the money line. What was your total comment?
7: Uh, Forty. It's at 44. That's a ridiculously low number for a college game. But even so I think this is going to be more of a grind if Northwestern does what it wants this game gets low scoring and I think on a, under on a 44 that's just not a lot of points okay. I I think it's like 49, well, 49 well, and a hold half, on I well, re-
4: that, yeah I was going to ask you that that's why that's why I asked you to repeat that the total is 50 and a half so you must really I'm love that number you must really I'm love that February, number next
7: thing yes I yeah. love that number yes. yeah so 50 and a half it, Look, look, that's still a ridiculously no number, but I still kind of like the under on that.
4: Okay. Uh, that would be the, can we call that the marquee game of week zero? Is that fair?
7: I guess, yeah, because I mean, there's not a whole lot else out there yeah. to, that really sort of matters. I mean, it's, okay. uh, there's there's just a few nice games. but you, there,
4: There's uh, some there's others. This is a big one. There's a handful of ones that, that you uh, think you like bets on. What's another one? By the way, Northwestern Madrid Nebraska in, in Dublin, just if we didn't make that clear. Yeah.
7: Yeah, I love Vanderbilt. Hawaii got gutted. Uh, I know it's Vanderbilt. They struggle against everybody. There's a whole lot of you know parts to that puzzle that just don't don't work. But as you know, I am the you know Power Five snob. Hawaii just—they're they, starting over again under Timmy Chang. They lost Shemon Cordero, their quarterback to San Jose State. They lost all their skill players to other spots. They are real they don't have the parts there yet. And again, week zero, they're not going to be sharp right out of the gate. Vanderbilt, for all its flaws, is still an SEC team. I love Vanderbilt and only six and a half in this. To think of it going forward, Western Kentucky pushing forward, which also lost just about all their parts. They're at minus, I think it's 12 the last time I checked, going to Hawaii for week one. And Hawaii's going to have a game under its belt. Vanderbilt coming in cold, you're only getting a touchdown. The SEC team, you're an SEC team, Vanderbilt, act like it already. I don't think Hawaii's going to score. This is going to be a rough one for the Rainbow Warriors.
4: Yeah, and this is one of these where Vanderbilt were to lose this. Good God, right? What kind of season yeah. might this might this ultimately be? It's not like we haven't seen teams come from the mainland to Hawaii over time and and just experience huge trouble, but you don't foresee that.
7: Bonky things happen on that yeah. long trip. Once they get sure there, this do. is Vanderbilt's bowl game. I mean, they're, they're playing their bowl at the beginning <laughs> of the season this year. So this is their uh, let's, bowl see, game. let's see if they can gear it up.
4: Yeah, let's hope they're not on the beach. All right, let's give us one more here before the break.
7: All right. I will go uh, stay with my power five snobbery speaking of teams getting gutted, Illinois against Wyoming. Yeah. Illinois is, is they're not going to blow anybody out this year. This offense isn't going to hang up 55 on anybody, but Wyoming's offense, they lost all their key parts. They had a massive transfer portal overhaul this offseason. Their defense is pretty good. This is going to be a low scoring grinding game. But again, Give me the team that the the power five team over the group of five program. I like Illinois in this to to pull this thing off over, uh, over 10 in this. I think that they win this by maybe two touchdowns. It's again, nothing, nothing easy. You're going to have to grind up. I just don't think Wyoming's going to be able to
4: score. Power five snob, Pete Futak from college football. I am
7: Go with what you know in week zero and week one in general, go with the bigger team. Over the small, just because in general, we're we're guessing here on the line. I mean, we just we don't know what we don't know yet. Illinois, again, it should be able to knock out Wyoming pretty easily. All right.
4: right. I lied. One last thing here real quick before the break, uh, because we never really just talk about, hey, who do you think is going to win the national title? But I just want to ask you, like, as you tier them at the top here, and this is the trouble with college football is it's very similar, obviously, from year to year. But do you have Ohio State above the fray at this point? Where do you stand at the very top of college football?
7: Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the, it, in terms of winning the next—not just getting the college football playoff—that's another argument. But the actual get there and win it: Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Those are the four. I have as my crazy outlier would be USC, and then everybody else.
4: Everybody wants to say that about USC. I still think we're a year or two away from that, but people people want to make them great this quickly. But the, the way that college football is trending, it's the team in Southern California. Is going to have a lot of benefit, transfer portal and beyond NIL. We'll come back, Heisman thoughts from Pete, and some more week zero, if we might call it that, picks. On the other side, numbers game Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
5: A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the
7: sports betting network.
4: The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code vsin 1000 And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. BetMGM's state-of-the-art app offers a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, daily boosted odds specials, and much more no matter what your favorite sport is. You'll find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sports books. Simply download the BetMGM app today. We'll take you about a few seconds. Or go to BetMGM.com. And under bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or side credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offers not available in Nevada or New York. Uh, Still to come today on the show... Todd, Wright, Little fantasy football season long preview from Todd. Also will talk to Paul Spore on uh, major league baseball and Oh, parlay. Finally watched the Manti Teo doc. I get to talk about that with somebody. That's exciting. Jeff, a word response just to tease that segment. What do you got? What, do you, what was your reaction? No, I, my,
3: my first reaction was, was sadness. 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 I think that's,
4: I think that's a good one. Yeah. Sadness. Overall sadness. Um, Next week on the show, by the way, if we may just sort of say that, Joe Pita, as we mentioned, will be on. Todd Wishnev. hopefully Wishnev and Fezzik on their weight loss challenge. Uh, Sean Patrick Griffin, the author of Gaming the Game, the, uh, the really the biggest, biggest tome on the Tim Donahue betting scandal. He will be on the show as well, right ahead of the next Untold, that series on Netflix, which produced the Manti Teo, uh, the Manti Teo uh, two-part docu. uh, documentary we'll call it two-part documentary from uh, last week so that's the next one so we'll get ahead of that and then uh, podcast wise we will actually have Sean Patrick Griffin and Jimmy Baba Batista one of the three co-conspirators on the Beating the Book podcast by the way after this show going to do the Beating the Book podcast with Matt Brown and Las Vegas Chris NFL preview that should be out and then a U.S. Open preview later in the week with Drew Dinsick as well Pete Futak is with us Currently talking college football with us before we get to more week zero picks. Let's talk a little Heisman. Uh, We haven't talked Heisman in a while. CJ Stroud is your short shot. And for people who uh, don't remember, Stroud looked like he was going to be the Heisman trophy winner last year, specifically after that half of football against Michigan state, which I remember calling the second greatest half of college football quarterbacking, that I've ever seen, and in, in, I think I think is correct by the numbers, in our lifetime. There was that Trevor Lawrence half in the national semis for Clemson that just eclipsed it. But Stroud was on his way, and then Bryce Young came swooping in because C.J. Stroud didn't really do much against Michigan. And so Bryce Young plus 380 behind C.J. Stroud, and then you see Caleb Williams now doing his thing at USC. He's at 7-1. to one. By the way, Will Anderson, it should be noted, the first defensive player on the board is the first in double digits at 16-1. to one. Um, it's not fun to take a short shot, but like, do you think this is Stroud's to lose? So hard to say that. Yeah, I, I,
7: I don't like any of them. I, I, I know I'm boring on this, but if you have a long shot or you have some guy out there that a, 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 an astronomical number, you're not wrong because you're right. I mean, and outside, if, if Bryce Young, let's say it this way, if Tank, Tank Bigsby stays in bounds in that Auburn game, Bryce Young doesn't win the Heisman. He won the Heisman off that one late drive to pull that game out of the fire. And then they won. They beat uh, uh, Georgia in the SEC championship. And that sort of cemented it because there really weren't any other options. Because like you said, it was, you know, Stroud had that magical. Was was it the second half or was it the first half? I seem to remember he like went off right out of the game.
4: First half, Uh, I believe.
7: Yeah, First half, yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, because statistically he was it. Here's the problem, though. Ohio State's defense is better. Stroud put up those astronomical numbers last year because they had to keep firing because the defense was giving up so much. They're not going to be in as many shootouts. He's not going to have the same stats that he had last year. He's awfully good. I mean, it's, you're not crazy to go Stroud here, but he's not going to put up the numbers he had last year. Young, the repeat Heisman winner. They don't have the receivers there. I think they're going to run the ball a little more. Caleb Williams at 700. Okay. He's like, you kind of suggested before USC is the one everyone wants to make into a thing already. Uh, and Will Anderson, he's not going to win it. Great defensive player. He might get to New York, but it's not going to happen. So what else you got? I mean, this is, this might be one of those years where you have some, something crazy. Like who are, who's the, the statistical superstar? Hendon hooker of Tennessee is going to just put up just gigantic numbers. Mikhail Cunningham for uh, Louisville, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's going to put up just massive, massive numbers. That might be the year where it becomes a statistical award and not just the guy who is the guy for the top team uh, that rocks. Now USC, they don't get Oregon. They have a bunch of high profile games. If they go off and and he has a massive game against Notre Dame and they go to the PAC 12 championship out of the top guys, Caleb Williams is probably the best bet and the best
4: option there. I'll ask you about two more guys. One, Ewan Galilee, DJ Ewan Galilee at Clemson. We've like completely written him off 45 to one. We talk about Clemson's easier path to a national title. Um, Part and parcel with that would be his sort of easier path to a Heisman because of competition that is lesser that we would sort of throw out in the wash of that assessment a lot of voters might uh versus an sec schedule let's say uh, is that like are we just writing that off because that was a big talking point last year as well
7: oh i haven't written him off that i clemson's gonna be awesome that defense is so loaded and, and heisman wise that's a problem because he's not going to have the massive numbers that you might want in the Heisman. He's going to have a couple of high profile games. He's got to go to Notre Dame. That's where he's going to have to rock. And you're right. They're going to fix that. The whole, he's recommitted himself. He dropped like 30 pounds or something crazy like that. I think Clemson's offense last year was a total outlier. It becomes a lot better this year. That's not a crazy pick because he, there's your guy, start quarterback on a team that's going to rip through its season. and is probably a sure shot to get to the college football playoff again not a crazy call at that big a number
4: and the only other one i want to mention is stroud is the short shot and it would have to go a certain way for a wide out of his to win the heisman right it would just have to be specifically that smith and uh, najikba just had a yep. season that was so much better than everybody else on that team that it would actually sway towards him. But I'll never forget the, the Garrett Wilson and the, uh, the Chris Olave interview with, with him, where the three of them were sitting there yep. and like, Who's the best among you? And they both pointed him. Right? Both, yeah. <laughs> the two guys who got drafted in the first round are like, It's him, trust me. Um, should we be thinking about him? 16, excuse yeah, 20, I me, mean, 25 I, to 1, pardon me.
7: Last we saw him, he was ripping through this great Utah defense. Oh. Everyone, everyone says that you know the Rose Bowl ah, it's lost and fluster. Now that's the game everybody watches. Yep. That's the game your grandma watches. It's the Rose Bowl. It's New Year's Day. You know, so that's the one that that cemented him as wow, this guy is a thing. This guy's amazing. And he is. He's he's the best wide receiver in college football, even though Jordan Addison won the Blitnikoff last year. And, yeah, he's going to have a bunch of high-profile games. If he goes, he could beat Devontae Smith. We've broken through that barrier again a couple of years ago. And the Heisman public might just be, this guy's just the best college football player out there this year. Now, while C.J. Stroud's not going to have the same numbers he had last season, Jackson Smith the Jigma, who was the number one target on that team, his numbers should be go up even more because he is going to be just that good. He just might be head and shoulders that far high. So that's, again, not a bad call, especially at the number you're going to get out.
4: That that game he had against Utah, I tweeted. I was like, that might be the greatest game I've ever seen a wide receiver play on any level. And then the next day, Jamar Chase was like, hold my beer. He had that unbelievable game against the Chiefs, which sort of... uh, Made that tweet obsolete. By the way, Bijan Robinson, greatest NIL deal so far. Have you heard this? Bijan Mustard. He's doing something like that. Good on him.
7: That's fantastic. As opposed to the one that just came across and a bunch of uh, offensive linemen just got signed by Hooters. Uh, Bijan Mustard.
4: We got I'm, two. I'm, I'm
7: for, actually, he also has a Lamborghini deal. So I know he does. Yeah, I, I, that, that's pretty that's pretty good. It's pretty good to be the uh, the main guy for the Texas Longhorns. Pretty,
4: pretty good. All right, we got 90 seconds. Not even. We got 60 seconds. Give us another uh, week zero pick. What do you like?
7: All right, Nevada going to New Mexico State. Uh, I just don't believe that the Aggies are going to be rising up and rocking that fast. It's only minus nine, Nevada. And they they got gutted. This is not the same team they were last year. Lost their coach, lost a slew of key parts from that team that had that uh, high-octane passing game. But this is going to be a pretty good defensive team. They're going to be able to run the ball a little bit more. New Mexico State just doesn't have that much of an offense under new head coach Jerry Kill. They're going to run it. Nine is a little bit low for something like this. I I think you take the Wolf Pack on this, but again, soft opening week zero, go sheepishly, go just don't go big on all of these things. <laughs>
4: that's
7: that's what week that's what week one is for. The week one, that's where we're gonna go big.
4: That's where we're gonna go big. and we've talked about it many times that the uh, the bottom of the Mountain West is going to be a sight to behold this year. That's for sure. Uh, one more here, thirty seconds. Yeah.
7: Uh, I will go go crazy. I'm going to go under on Wyoming and Illinois. There's your 44. I missed. I blew up the totals before with Northwestern Nebraska. Uh, but the 44, that's ridiculously low. Until they can score. I don't think Wyoming score. So Illinois doesn't score that much. They're not going to hang up 45 on their own. Under, sheepishly, on Wyoming and Illinois.
4: All right, Pete. Next time we speak, we'll be talking about week one, the real opening of college football. Let's go. Looking forward to that. Pete Futak, everybody, at Pete Futak, P-E-T-E-F-I-U-T-A-K. Did I get that right? I think I did. Coming back with Todd Wright, Fantasy Football Next, Numbers Game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network.